Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at FBC. It's great to be with you this morning as we kick off this brand new series called Better Together. For the next four weeks, we're looking at how do we live well with people who are nothing like you. And we're going to look at some amazing um, subjects. We're going to look at how do we deal with conflict? How do we give and receive uh, feedback? Next week, Karen is going to help us explore the whole issue of what do we do when there's a gap between what we expect to happen and what actually happens. What do we fill that gap with? And we're going to look at some real practical things to help us do life well, live better, live well with people who are nothing like us. And the reason we're doing this is because you know we all want to be good at relationships. We want to connect well with people at home, people at work, people we come into contact uh, with. But uh, we recognize that we're different, that we're wired in, in different ways. And often those differences actually can cause conflict, can cause tension within our relationships. And if we just take a moment just to be aware of who we are, to be aware of the people uh, around us, to be aware of how do we handle things like conflict in those relationships. Actually, it will go well with us that we will be better together. Um, and a key, um, yeah, this whole thing of being different uh, is something that we're going to look at this morning. And you, hopefully you've got some of these cards on your seats, yes and no um, on the, the backs. I'm just going to read out a couple of statements just to see how different we are um, in the room this morning. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you, have a look at them. Are they different from you? Are you glad that they are? No, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, And we're going to just look at some of these things. So I'm going to read out a couple of statements. If you agree with that statement, I want you to show the yes side, the green side. If you disagree, I want you to show the no side or the on side, however, if you hold it upside down, the red side, and show it it to me. If you're not sure, if you're in the middle, come on, you've got to make a decision. You can't be sitting on the fence. We've got to do these things. So, here's the first statement. Um, It's okay to turn up late. Start times are just there for guidance. Is that okay? Is that not okay? What do you think? I'm going to, you know, there you go. It's not okay. So a few people are yeses. There you go. Maybe you want to look to the person, you know, if you've got a no and the person next to you has a yes, especially if they're part of your family, might be worth being aware of that. That tension often causes tension in our family, that one. Uh, Okay, what about this? I speak before I know fully what I'm going to say. Do you do that or don't you do that? Do you speak before you know what you're going to say? You still thought, loads of yeses, there you go, that's good. That yes is the correct answer, by the way, uh, just uh, on that one. If you are going to do something, it has to be perfect. A job's not worth doing if it's not done well. Is that true? Does it not really matter? A little bit more divided on that. Oh, that guy's very interesting there. Okay, the last one. If you're going to make a plan, you have to stick to it. There's no point making a plan unless you stick to that plan. What do you think? Oh, look, oh, more no's and yes, that's very interesting uh, on that. Good, that's great. You can put those down. You can just keep hold of the cards to keep yourself cool because it's really hot in here. I know. I'm in a t-shirt. I don't know what you're complaining about. Uh, there you go. You know, that's just interesting to see that in just different things, four different areas, we're all different. We have different approaches uh, to different things. We're wired in a slightly different way. And the key place where this often happens is in this tension of what we say and what we hear, that we say 
say something, uh, but actually other people can hear something very different. And it's that very tension that I want us to spend some time looking at this morning. There's this great resource uh, called I Said This, uh, You Heard That, uh, that as a staff team at FBC, or some of the staff, uh, went through this um, a few months ago, uh, just looking at this whole area of, you know, I say this, but, but you heard that. And you know what? This has been so massive for us as a team. It's been massive for me as an individual, been so helpful. I've actually done it, we've done it at home as well, so um, our kids have looked at some of this, and it's really helped in my relationships, my understanding um, of what people say and what people hear, both from a work perspective, both from a, a home perspective, from many aspects um, of life. So, uh, this is a small group resource, so if you're in a connect group, you could do this with your connect group. Maybe after Christmas, uh, it might be a good time to do that and actually spend time doing that together. If you're not in a connect group, you can get in a connect group. We'll be launching some new groups um, after Christmas, so in January, so grab, um, sign up for one of those. Or you could just buy this thing off Amazon. So just go to Amazon or search, I said this, you heard that, and you can find the resource and just do it for yourself. And I'm sure many of us have experienced this. Many of us, we could probably share funny stories of when I said this and you heard that. I'm sure, you know, within marriage, isn't that's just a statement of what marriage is like, isn't it? I said this and you heard that. And I'm sure there's loads of humorous examples um, of, of what's happened. But the thing is, many of us actually have examples of this. We've experienced this, and it's not funny at all. Actually, we carry the scars of when somebody has said something, and those words have really hurt us. Those words have landed differently uh, with us. And it might be that they never intended it to be that way, but they said something in a way, and actually we interpret it in a, perhaps in a way that they never intended, and it's hurt us. We carry those scars around with us. And the reason that's true is because words are powerful. We know that. Words have the power to, to shake, to inspire, to encourage, to build up. But words also have the power to discourage, to destroy, to tear down. You know, how do you want to use your words? Do you want to use your words to inspire people, to encourage people? Or do you want to use your words to discourage people? The fact is that you have the opportunity every day with every person and every word to hurt or to help. Just let that sink in for a moment. That you have the opportunity, every single one of us in this room, every single day, with every single person that we come into contact with, with every single word that we use, we have the opportunity to use those words to hurt people or to help people. So what choice will you make uh, with how you will use your words? And I'm sure for most of us, if not all of us, we want our words to be helpful. We want to speak words that would encourage people. We want to speak words that will build people up. And sure, sometimes there's moments when people have done things to us that have hurt or offended us, and we want to do the same back. We want to hurt them uh, with our words. But we have that opportunity every day uh, to actually speak things that are helpful um, to people. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, Chrissy, I get that, and I'm, I'm on board with that, but, but why should I be careful with what I say? Because if I said this, but they heard that, that's their problem, isn't it? It's not my problem. And that's where we, we come unstuck, because actually, that's not true. If we are communicating something to somebody, there's two aspects of that. There's, there's what is said, the communication, and then there's what is heard, what is received uh, from that. And it's our job, if we are communicating, if we are sharing, if we are 
just speaking to people. It is our job to ensure that actually what we say is heard in the way that we want it to be heard. If it's heard in a different way, then actually that is, our, uh, is on us um, as the people sharing those things or communicating those things. And you know what? This isn't a faith thing. This is a life thing. Whoever you are, whatever you think, whatever you believe, whether you have been a Christian and a follower of Jesus for many, many years, whether you're not sure what you think or you're just starting out on a journey of faith, um, whether you're a complete skeptic uh, and you've just been dragged along uh, this morning and you don't believe in any of this Jesus stuff at all, actually the stuff we're going to look like look at today is relevant to all of us because it's about taking this opportunity to use our words to help people. But having said, you know, this isn't a faith thing, it's a life thing. Actually, faith, Christian faith, has a lot to say about this. When you look at the person of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, lots of the stuff that we encounter in the New Testament, there's so much of it that's writing into this context of how do we do life well with people who are nothing like us? How do we use our words to build one another up, to encourage one another? And there was a guy called um, Paul who was one of the leaders of the early church. He wasn't always a leader in the early church, actually, Paul hated Christians at one point and it was his mission to destroy the church. To, he actually oversaw the execution and persecution of many Christians and then he had a life-changing encounter with Jesus and his life was turned around and he became a follower of Jesus and instead of destroying the church he set out to build uh, the church and he planted churches all around the Mediterranean rim and he wrote letters uh, to them encouraging them and instructing uh, them and uh, it's in one of these letters, um, a letter to a church in Ephesus uh, where Paul just instructs them a little bit in chapter 4 of this, this letter, talk, giving them some advice about how they can experience unity in their relationships. How can they have that harmony and that, that oneness? How can they do life well with people who are nothing like them? And in, it's one of those verses in this chapter 4 that I want us to spend some time exploring together. And it says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And that's pretty simple, isn't it? You know, that's not complicated. We don't have to spend ages dissecting that or, or, or tearing that apart at all. It's quite straightforward what Paul is asking of us. And you know what? That's true for so many of the things about being a follower of Jesus. So many of the instructions and the commands and some of the stuff that we engage with, certainly in the New Testament, that shows us how we are to live our lives. So much of it is simple. It's not difficult, it's not, it's not rocket science, it's not hard to understand. The challenge comes when we actually try and live this act. And often as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we like to overcomplicate things. We like to dissect and delve into it and tear it apart and all those sort of things. So we spend all the time debating actually what does the, these passages say and we spend no time actually living out what they say. You know, this is a classic example of where something is simple, it's not hard to understand, but it's really difficult to do. You know, the Christian faith, so much of it is simple and hard. And what we often try to do is make it complicated and easy. And as we go through this, we'll see that this isn't rocket science, but actually it is pretty challenging to live out. So Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And I wonder what you think unwholesome is. Maybe you think, you know, swearing or cursing or, or bad language, that's unwholesome. But actually there is more to it um, than that, because anything that's unwholesome is, is words that don't... In, 
make or don't lead to somebody being made whole. So if you say anything to somebody and it actually doesn't leave them feeling or being made whole, then actually those, uh, then it's unwholesome talking. And Paul says, don't let any of that unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So the stuff that comes out of our mouths should lead to people being made whole. It should be helpful for the, to them. It should build them up and it should build them up according to their needs, not ours. And that whole thing that I said earlier about, well, what does it matter if I say this and they heard that? Surely that's their problem, not mine. No, Paul says, no, it's not. You know, you need to speak things that are going to be helpful, that's going to build people up according to their needs, not according to your needs. So you need to adjust what you say according to the people you are saying it to. Paul continues, so that it may benefit those who listen. That's the whole of the verse. Don't let any wholesome, uh, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That is the challenge set before us this morning. It's not rocket science, you know. We don't have to spend ages dissecting that. I don't need to tell you loads of the culture or the context. I don't need to show you the Greek words that go behind this. It's quite simple uh, before us. The challenge comes when we seek to live this out, when we actually want to do this. And just imagine if you did do this, if you started to live like this, what impact that would have on your um, relationships, what impact that would have on the way that you saw people. And we know that this isn't easy, this is challenging, and part of the reason why this is challenging, that our words can be difficult to benefit those who listen, is because the people around us speak a different language to us. And I don't mean like English at all, you know, we all speak English, I hope, uh, here, um, but uh, we actually have different languages based on who we are, based on our, our backgrounds. So if we want to be able to do this, what we need to do is learn to communicate in their language. We need to be aware of who are the people around us, who are we talking to, who's in my family, you know, who's in my workplace, who are my colleagues, who are the people that I come into contact with, what is their language, how do I speak words that are beneficial and helpful to them according to their needs. And the thing is, we know that we're all different. And often, you know, when it comes to differences, we look at personality, don't we? We look on those external things. Oh, that person's really outgoing, they're loud, they're quiet, they're shy, those sort of things. And we think, we think of those things when we look at differences. But actually, there's something that's far deeper than that that we're going to talk to today. Because there's a difference between personalities and temperaments. And it's temperaments that I want us to look at um, a little bit today. Personalities are like a snapshot of, of your emotions or, or what you think or feel at a, a given time. And, and your personality sort of grows and evolves over time. And your personality is a construct of, the, of who you are, the things happen to you, your upbringing, all those stuff around you. You know, temperament is what goes um, beneath, what, what is underneath your personalities. Your personalities might be the what, but your temperament is the why. You know, your personality is the what you do, it's the what you think, it's, it's how you behave and, and what you say. Your temperament is the thing that's beneath that, the why you think that, the why you feel that, the why you behave um, in that way. 
And thousands and thousands of years ago, before um, Jesus walked uh, on this planet, there was a guy called Hippocrates who um, is known as the father of medicine. And Hippocrates noticed that people were different, uh, that people acted in different ways. And so he did some studying um, on this and tried to work out, well, what, why is it that people act in one way? So why is it that they behave that way and these people behave uh, that other way? And he um, did some work on this and he, and he thought, well, it's to do with the, the four human traits. He identified these four human traits, which were based on the four humors, um, the four elemental fluids uh, that sort of they believed existed. And they thought, you know, if, if your fluid is out of balance, then you're out of balance. So if you've got too much blood uh, in you, then you're going to behave this way. And if you've got too much bile in you, it's a bit gross, isn't it? Then you're going to behave in that, that way. And he did this sort of underpinning for some of this temperament stuff. And then later on, um, a Greek physician and philosopher, a guy called Galen, came along and he took the work that Hippocrates did and he developed it. You know, he was looking at these temperaments, again, as um, Hippocrates was looking at, you know, why do people behave in different ways? And he identified these sort of four different people um, categories, all these four different temperaments. And he called them this, sanguine, choleric, phlegmatic, and melancholy. And you know, they're a little bit confusing, uh, th- those words, but, but these words are still used today in personality and temperament profiles. People like um, Sigmund Fr- Freud and Carl Jung have used these sort of things uh, to, to, um, you know, in, in their work. Actually, if you've done anything like Myers-Briggs or Right Path, anybody done those sort of personality profiles, this is the basis for that. So Myers-Briggs is built on these sort of four temperament um, and the knowledge and and the stuff that's happened there. This can be a bit of a mouthful, so I like just to take the words off and just go with the colours, you know, yellow, red, green, blue, to help us understand a little bit of where we are. And what I want us to do for a moment, if that's okay, is just explore some of these boxes. And as we do that, you might be able to think, yeah, actually, that resonates with, with me. I'm not trying to put you in a box. I'm just trying to help you understand a little bit more about who you are or why you do what you do. And also, not just, you know, help you understand you, help you understand the people uh, around you. So let's take a look at, at these. So we've got at the top here, red and yellow are extroverts, blue and green are introverts. Now we can often misunderstand what those words mean. We can often think that extroverts are loud and outgoing and introverts are quiet and shy and, and inward. And that's not necessarily the case. Now if you've done Myers-Briggs, they will tell you that extrovert and introvert is all about where you get your energy from. So an extrovert recharges by being around people. If they're on their own, they find it very draining. Introverts are the opposite. They recharge by being on their own. It's not that you can't be on your own or can't be with other people. It's just that you need, if you're an introvert, you need that space uh, to be able to just to recharge and get your energy back. What we're talking about here in this sort of from the I said this, you heard that, is a little bit different. You know, this is about how do we process information. So red and yellows are extrovert when it comes to processing information. It means that they process out of themselves and blues and greens are inward. They process inward. So just think about that. How do you process information? Do you, do you think uh, before you speak or do you speak before you think? You know, I am a red, which means I am an outward processor. I say things to actually, you know, I, I speak before I think. More clearly, I think as I speak. You know, as I process and as I speak, ideas and concepts are being formed. I struggle to do that in myself. So I need people around me to help doing that. Introverts don't do that. They just have that space and will take information and think about it inwardly and come to a conclusion and then would share those 
those conclusions. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because imagine you're in a meeting with people, and you're an extrovert, and you are sharing thoughts and ideas, and you're, you're just coming up with this stuff, and you're processing, and you're, and you're formulating your ideas outside of yourself. And you're a red or a yellow, and you've got blue or greens in your group or your team. And they're trying to work out what it is that they think about a certain idea. So they're not saying anything. They're thinking about it. You're constantly speaking, and, and what that's doing is meaning that the blue and greens are having more information to process. So you, and, and then there's silence. So what do you do? Because if you're red and yellow, well, silence is bad, isn't it, we feel. So we fill the silence with more speaking. So we keep on speaking, and we just keep on giving more information for the blues and the greens to process, so that they never get to a point where they're able to articulate what they think, because we keep on giving them more information. And what do we think if you're a red or a yellow and you've got a blue and a green? We're talking, we're talking, we're engaged. They're not saying anything. We think, well, they don't care. They're disengaged, they're disinterested. No, that's not the case at all. All they're doing is trying to process what it is that's going on. Just give them a moment to actually have time uh, for that. I mean, that's just an amazing uh, example of how this happens uh, in, in that place. You know, we process, we think outwardly, or we think inwardly, internally. Uh, how do you process information? Now, this is, shows for me, you know, as a red, I need to process beyond myself. Sermon prep is one of the worst things about my job. I love to stand on the stage and I love sharing like this. I hate the task of actually preparing because it's an inward activity. You know, I sit at my desk and I come up with ideas and concepts and I read books and I read all that stuff and I, and I do that inwardly. I really, really struggle to do that. The team hates it when I'm doing um, sermon prep because I come out of my office and I have to engage with them. I have to interrupt them in whatever it is that they're doing because I've got an idea or concept that I'm trying to form in my mind, and I share with them, what do you think about this, and try and get into a dialogue uh, with them about it. All they're trying to do is get on with their work, and I just keep coming out um, with those stuff. That's why I have to work really hard, so that when I stand on a platform, I'm not processing out words. I've already thought through what it is that I'm trying to say. You know, just that one thing is massive in understanding how we are different from one another. But there's a couple more. So uh, reds and blues are what we call task-orientated, and yellows and greens are what we call people-orientated. Now, it's important to recognize that orientation doesn't mean that you don't value the other. So if you are task-orientated, it doesn't mean that you don't think people are important or you don't value people. And the same, if you're people-orientated, it doesn't mean that you don't think tasks are important. It just means that you go there first. Left to yourself, naturally, you are more comfortable in task-focused environments or people-focused environments. And this is interesting to think because a, a green is an introvert who likes to be around people. And a red is an extrovert who would rather be focused on a task, naturally. Now, again, this dynamic is really, really interesting. Because um, when you're aware of that and you're aware of the people around you, it actually helps you understand why they do what they do. So I said, you know, we did this as a team and it's really helped me in the way that I relate to some of the team here at FBC. A big part of my job. Uh, is I spend time one-on-one -on -one with um, the guys who work here and just you know, connect with them, ask them how they're doing, look through some of the projects or the tasks that they've got coming up and just sort of support them um, in that. 
this whole colour grid has helped me realise why people do things differently. Jamie, who's our youth pastor, so right at the moment he's over um, in the secondary school running shape. Jamie is the biggest yellow I have ever met in my life. He is so yellow. He is so extroverted. He cannot think inside himself. You know, I think I have no internal processing. Jamie, it's impossible. If you say to him, Jamie, I want you to tell me what you think about this, but think about it before you say something. He can't. He can't do it. He has to actually allow these things to come out of himself. And he wants to be around people all the time. So he just gets distracted. Oh, there's a shiny thing over here. You know, we're doing this, Jamie. No, no, there's, you know, and he's over there because he's so people-focused. That means that when we have one-to-one, so, uh, you know, I like to process outward, that's great, or I enjoy that stuff, but I want to get the task done that we're talking about. Jamie wants to get distracted and talk about, you know, how, how, what's going on here and what's happening there, and, and he's all over the place. So that when we come to the end of an hour, actually, I feel like we've not achieved anything. You know, we've just talked about all this stuff and we philosophize and, and it's been all this high-level stuff, but we've never really got down to detail. Matt, who was leading the band this morning, Matt is a blue. Uh, so he is task-focused and he's introverted in his processing. And we had a one-to-one a while ago. We were talking about something specific, a specific um, project or something. And we sit down, Matt just fires straight into that and he's just talking about it. And about a minute, he pauses... And he looks at me, and I can see that he's thinking, and he says, is this one of those meetings where we've got to talk about how we're feeling? And it was hilarious. We both just, you know, I just laughed out loud, because, you know, Matt, for him, he just wants to get on with the task. It's not that people are not important, but his natural tendency is just to go there with tasks. So I know when I'm meeting with Jamie, if I start with the task, we're not going to get anything done. So I need to sort of engage with him on this side and move him across there. I know with Matt that actually we have to talk um, about people's stuff and uh, find how are you doing all those stuff, and then uh, go over there. Just being aware of those little dynamics is so massive in how we relate to one another. So this is a big deal. You know, we want to use our words to encourage one another, to build one another up. And I want to give you three keys to helping you be mindful of the words that you use when speaking to people. The first one is, your temperament determines the words you speak. Your temperament, whether you're red, green, yellow, or blue, actually determines the words that come out of your mouth. So, you know, yellows uh, speak the language of people and fun. They often speak with animated, fun, people uh, orientated words. You know, reds speak the language of power and control. Sounds very horrible if, you, if you're a red, isn't it? There you go. You know, they speak with bold, controlling, commanding um, words. Green speak the language of calm and harmony. They're easygoing, you know, can often come across as unenthusiastic, but that's not the case at all. They speak patient words. And blue speak the language of perfection um, and order. That's detailed. Sometimes can come across as judgmental um, and really, you know, thoughtful words. Now, this is an interesting dynamic um, as well, because, again, a big thing that we do at FBC is we'll review things that we do. So we might have done an event and we'll sit around and we'll talk about how did it go. And we've got quite a lot of yellows um, on our team. So, you know, Simon, our kids pastor, is yellow. Louise, my wife, is yellow. Jamie's a yellow. And they, they will share, you know, how did it go? How did you think it go? Well, oh, it's brilliant. Wasn't it great? There were people there. So oh, that's a big tick. You know, people there. That's all you, all you need. And you know what? A couple of people came up to me and they said they're like this and they're like 
this and the like this. That's, you know, and that's it. I, the, the event is a complete success because I you know, got affirmation from people. You know, I'm a red and I'm just wanting to control everything. You know, let's, come on, let's, t- let's stick to the time. Um, Matt, as I said, is a blue. Rachel Roberts is blue uh, as well. And they, so they like all of that, but they want a little bit more information. And actually, you can sometimes say something in a way that can come across a bit more judgmental, a bit more negative. Well, it, it's great, Jamie, that three people said uh, that that was great. But, you know, the lights didn't happen there, and then we had a power cut and a flood. And it could have been so much better if we changed X, Y, and Z. And because they're seeing that, because they're wanting perfection and, and, and order and seeing those fine details. Actually, if we just change that, ty- that thing, it could have been so much better. And what that does here is these people feel completely drained because they were like, I thought it was amazing because people said it was great. And these people still think it was amazing, but they can see how it could be better. And they're like, well, how do we improve? And that tension creates, creates tension within relationships. And it can create misunderstanding and it can create conflict. Just bring it back home. Just you know, imagine in your family you've got a mix of these colors or with friends you've got a mix of colors and you're going out for dinner and you're trying to pick a restaurant where you want to go. And the yellow one is just like, well, I want to go to that new place where all the new people are because it's really buzzy and vibrant and all those sorts of stuff. The green is like, I don't mind. I'm, I, wherever you want to go, I'm go. I, I'm easy. I'll go, I'll go wherever. The red is like, come on, can we just make up your mind? I just want to go to a restaurant, right? That's it. We're going for Chinese. And the green says, Chinese? Really? You know, we had Chinese last week. I thought you said you were fine. I thought you said this was okay. Yeah, I know I said that was okay, but you know, this all stuff. Meanwhile, the blue is a quivering wreck in the corner saying, can I just stay at home and cook my HelloFresh meal? You know, with all the nice orders things. Do you do that? Anybody done those HelloFresh meals or those sort of stuff? I did one um, on Friday. Oh my word, it was a complete disaster. Somebody telling me what to do and how to cut carrots. I know how to cut carrots. I don't like that sort of stuff, but actually, maybe if you're blue, you love that sort of stuff. So there you go. You know, actually being aware of your temperament actually helps you be aware that you naturally speak these words. That's why you say the things that you say, because you're wired in that way. The second thing to understand is your temperament dictates the words you need to hear. We all have needs, and we need those needs to be fulfilled or to be met through the words that other people speak to us or the words that we speak to ourselves. So, for example, yellow speak the lang- uh, they, they, sorry, they need approval, acceptance, attention, and affection. Greens need harmony, worthiness, lack of stress, and respect. Reds need loyalty, sense of control, appreciation, and credit for work. And blues need safety, sensibility, sensitivity, sorry, support, space, and silence. These different things that, that you know, we're in different places and we need different things. And this whole dynamic is why words land differently with different people. So again, take the example of inviting somebody um, to um, a a party. You say to to a yellow, you know, you've got to come to this party. You must be there. Well, that's a no-brainer. There's going to be people there, of course. I I, I love that. I've been included. I've got that intention. I'm there. You say that to a green or a blue, and actually that can create stress. You must be there. You've got to go. Actually, oh, okay, I don't really want to be there necessarily. And recognizing that, because this person, they just need to know the time and where to show up, and they're there. These people need a little bit more help and support. They need to know what's going to happen. Well, reds need that. You know, what's going to happen? What do I need to wear? All those sort of things. These people might need to show, it's going to be okay. You'll be all right. You'll get through this. You'll su- you will survive. It won't be that difficult. You know, and understanding needs are so um, I- important. Paul says, we need to speak words that build others up according to their needs. If we're going to do that, 
We need to know what their needs are. So again, let me give you another example. I'm, I'm read. You need to know that lateness says something to me. Lateness says that you don't appreciate me and you're being disloyal to whatever it is that we're doing. So when you're late, if you say, Chris, I'll meet you at this time, and you turn up five minutes late, you are not appreciating me, and you're being disloyal to, whatever, to me and to whatever it is that we're doing. Now, I know you're not doing that, because you might be yellow, and there was a shiny thing that caught your attention, and you got distracted. And that's okay <laughs> over there. Or there was a person or something that needed help. No, but, but I feel that's what goes on inside me. When, when somebody turns up late, I f that's what I feel. I feel that I'm not being appreciated, and I feel that you're being disloyal. I need to know that so that I know why I respond in the way that I respond. But you need to know that. That, so that you try not to do that, or if you do turn up late, say, Chris, I'm really sorry um, I was late. It was because this, and you've got a good reason, and it's not because there was a shiny thing on the road. Uh, Jamie's not in here, is he? He needs to watch this back later on. Uh, there, there you go. So we need to be aware of that, of what are those needs going on in the people around us, so that we can speak words that will meet their needs. But actually, words, you know, th these words are, they, they are met, they're never fully feel, filled. Needs are never fully filled. You know, we constantly need these things. A yellow will constantly need attention and acceptance. And when you say those things to meet those needs, you will partially meet those needs. You will never fully fill those needs. That's an ongoing thing. The third thing to recognize is understanding the temperaments changes every conversation. You know, when we're aware of ourselves, it helps us be mindful of how we react. It helps us know, this is why I respond in that way. It helps us be careful with the words that we use. And it helps us um, be aware of the needs of other people, be aware of our needs and aware of the needs of the people around us. And it's important to recognize that this stuff, this is just a guide to understand. This isn't a box to contain. It's not about trying to put people in a straitjacket and say, well, this is you and this is you. It's not about labeling uh, people at all. It's about helping us be self-aware, but also helping us be others aware. It's good to be self-aware, but that's not enough. It's not just enough to be actually aware of what it is that you think or what you feel. We have to take that step to be aware of what's going on in those people closest to us, in our family and in our workplaces, if we're going to live out this verse, that, this challenge that is given to us. Let's go back to that verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I highlighted this word, let, because it shows us that we have a choice. When you say something, you allowed it to come out of your mouth. There was a thought process maybe somewhere along the line, and you actually allowed those words to come out. That means every word you use is a word you choose. So if it's uplifting, you've chosen it. If it's destructive, you have chosen to allow that word to come out of your mouth. Don't let anything that's unwholesome come out of your mouth. Let's go on. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And Paul says any unwholesome talk. Now that's the standard. That's the bar that we're aiming for. He didn't say some. He didn't say aim for 50-50 or 80-20. He says don't let anything come out of your mouth that is unwholesome. Don't let anything 
Every word you use is a word you choose. So choose words carefully that are going to be wholesome, that are going to be encouraging. And most of us don't do this deliberately. deliberately. We do this accidentally. We do this without knowing about it or thinking about it. And sometimes we think, well, it's, that's because who I am. I'm, I'm wired that way. I say that or I act in that way because that's my color. That's my temperament. It's important to never use your temperament as an excuse or a weapon. Now, we don't use it to hurt people, but we also we don't say, it's, no, it's not okay. It's never okay to say, that's just me, get used to it. That's just the way God's made me. No, that is not okay. And God has not made you that way to use words that hurt people or hinder people. He's made you in a completely different way. And yes, you may respond naturally because of a whole bunch of stuff, but it's not okay just to say, that's me, you've got to get used to it. Our words are there to benefit others. They're not there to benefit ourselves. Let's go back to this verse. Have you got, are you getting this yet? You know, if I drilled this verse into you enough, can you repeat this and re- recite this? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Just imagine the difference this would make if you lived out this verse. If you did this, just imagine the difference this would make if you were aware of why you act in the way that you act, or why you feel or think the way you think, and you took the time to be aware of the people around you. What difference would that make at home? What difference would that make in your marriage? You know, what difference would that make in your workplace, or with your kids, or with the people that you come into contact with? Just imagine how this could shape and define and build your relationships. Just imagine how this would help you do life well with people who are nothing like you. You know, this is the challenge set before us, and you know what? It is a big challenge. I want to live like this, but I know I need help. And the good thing is, I have a group of people around me who can help me, who can lean into me, who can support me and encourage me and challenge me. But I also have a great, gracious God who will support me and help me in this, that I can lean into him and say, God, I want to do this. But I know often I allow unwholesome things to come out of my mouth. I know often I do things that don't help or don't build others up. I know often I speak to people out of my need as opposed to out or in the place of their need. I need your help. And what I've discovered is that as I'm more mindful of this, and as I lean into God and I ask him, God, will you help me? Will you support me? Will you strengthen me in this? That he gives me that discipline. He gives me that encouragement. He won't do this for me. He won't do this for you. But if you ask him, if you lean into him, he will give you the strength to be able to live out this life relationship-changing verse that Paul has presented before us. Let's just take a moment to pray together. Father God, I thank you so much uh, that you have created us all different, that we are unique, that we've got unique plans and purposes given to us by you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us live in those strengths and be aware of those weaknesses, that we'll be aware of why we live and why we act and why we respond the way we do, but we'll also be aware of the people around us, that you would help us to love people the way that you have loved us, to be mindful of them. Bless us, Lord. Encourage us in this and challenge us in this, I pray. Amen.